All right, let's go to Psalm chapter number 45 tonight, continuing on in the uh, study through the Psalms, and uh, excited about tonight's message, been studying on this, and uh, asking the Lord to help us all day. But as we look to Psalm chapter number 45, let's stand together as we find our place in our Bible tonight. Psalm chapter number 45, and uh, we'll begin reading in verse number 1, Psalm chapter number 45. And verse number one. The Bible says, My heart is indicting a good matter. I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Thou art fairer than the children of men. Grace is poured into thy lips. Therefore God has blessed thee forever. Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, and with thy glory and thy majesty. And in thy majesty ride prosperously because of truth and meekness and righteousness. And thy right hand shall teach thee terrible things. Thine arrows are sharp in the heart of the king's enemy whereby the people fall under thee. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore God thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia, and out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. You can be seated tonight. Thank you for standing with us. Let's pray together. Ask the Lord to help us. Our Father, we thank you, God, for the opportunity, Lord, and the privilege, God, that we have, Lord, to be in your house. God, we thank you, dear Lord, for your word. God, we thank you, Lord, for the precious blood, Lord, that they just sang about. Lord, we're thankful, God, that we know what it is, Lord, to be saved. God, we're thankful, Lord, that we've passed from death unto life. God, we thank you, dear Lord, for the joy and the peace that we have, Lord, within our heart tonight. God, I pray, dear Lord, that you'd help us, God, to exalt Jesus tonight, Lord, to make much of him, God, to magnify him, and God, may the people of God, may the church be edified. God, may we be encouraged, Lord, by uh, your word tonight. And I pray, dear Father, that you'd place your hand upon us. Lord, we can't do this without you. I pray, God, that you'd anoint us and help us. We ask it in Jesus' name tonight. Amen and amen. Psalm chapter number 45 in the previous weeks we said this, that uh, Psalm chapter number 43 and Psalm 44 were Psalms of Hezekiah and Psalm chapter number 44, or 45 rather uh, follows suit with that. This is a Psalm of Hezekiah and in this Psalm he's magnifying God and he's lifting up God and there are some things that he begins to say uh, in verse number 1. He said, My heart is indicting a good matter. Uh, he's speaking from his heart tonight. And he says, I speak of the things which I have made touching the king. He said, My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. So we know in verse number 1 that he's talking about a king. Amen. And uh, I'm glad I know who that king is. Amen. I'm glad I know who he's talking about. And the things that we see in this chapter tonight, the first thing that we come across is this. We, we uh, see the king's glory in verse number 3. He said, Gird thy sword upon thy thigh, O most mighty, with thy glory and thy majesty. Amen. And I'm glad tonight that God is a God of glory. 
And our God tonight, He's worthy of all honor and glory and praise. And He's worthy to be lifted up. David said in one place in Psalm chapter number 34, He said, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. He was seeking those in the congregation to magnify our God because David understood one thing, that God was worthy tonight. Amen. And anything that we do in this walk of life, anything that we do in ministry, anything that we set our hand and our heart to do, we ought to do it for the honor and the glory of the king. Amen. So we see the glory of the king, but then we see the king's government in verse number six. He said, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. When I was reading on this and I was studying on this, uh, there was one commentator who entitled this chapter, he said, The Master's Millennial Marriage. Amen. And he began to talk about the kingdom, how it would stand forever. And I'm glad when Jesus comes back, uh, all the sin will cease, uh, all the heartache will cease, but thank God he'll rule with a rod of iron. He's not coming back as a meek and lowly shepherd, uh, but he's coming back as a king, high and lifted up. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And thank God the Bible declares over and over and over again that his government shall be forever. Amen. And it's an unending government. It's a government with authority and power and majesty. As we've already read tonight, I thank God one day, uh, whether you like him or not, Trump's going to be put out and every other politician will be put out and King Jesus will sit on his rightful throne and he'll rule and reign this world. Amen. We see the king's glory and we see the king's government. But here's where I want to get to tonight and this is what I want to discuss. This is what I want to preach about tonight. We've seen the king's glory. We've seen the king's government but notice in verse number 8 we see the king's garments. Amen. The king's garments in verse number 8. Hezekiah said all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces whereby they have made thee glad. And when I got to thinking about this psalm that's exactly where my mind turned to. The very garments that our Lord Jesus wore. The very garments that the king that Hezekiah is describing wore and all the things, all the, the perfumes and the myrrh and the aloes uh, uh, surrounding those garments. Uh, and uh, brother, I'm glad tonight when we get in the presence of God uh, uh, we can smell his holy fragrance. Uh, uh, you ever been around somebody who's been with the king? Uh, you ever been with somebody who's been in his presence? Uh, you can smell it on them, amen. Uh, they don't have to tell you about it. Uh, uh, they don't go around bragging about their spirituality uh, but you can tell they've been in his presence uh, uh, because they smell like him, they walk like him uh, and they talk like him. Amen. And I thought about those garments that the king wore. You know, I thought about the garments that the Lord Jesus wore in his life and in his ministry. The first thing that we think about tonight is in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 7 we think about his birth and we think about garments of significance. Amen. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 7 concerning Mary and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And 
when we think about these garments of significance that the baby Jesus wore at the time of his birth, it was all that Mary had. She had those swaddling clothes and she wrapped that baby in those swaddling clothes and she laid him in that hewn out rock in that cave, in that manger among the beasts and among the common people of this world. Those swaddling clothes speak to us of this. They speak to us of his poverty. Amen. Uh, Thank God he left the portals of glory. He came to where we were. Uh, uh, He came into a meek and lowly existence. Amen. Uh, Thank God he came uh, uh, from the lofty courts of heaven and the lofty courts of glory and he was born into this world uh, and all they had to wrap him in uh, was swaddling clothes uh, and they laid him in a manger uh, and he was poor in his birth uh, and it spoke to us of his poverty. I want you to look at what our text says tonight concerning this. In verse number 8, He said, all thy garments smell of myrrh and aloes and cassia out of the ivory palaces. He came out of the ivory palaces. He came from the streets of gold. He came from the walls of jasper and the gates of pearl. And he came to a lowly existence. He came to where we were. And he identified with us in his birth. He came to where we were, amen, as a savior, as a light shining in a dark world. He came to where we were but he came in poverty, amen. He came in poverty. Those swaddling garments speak of his poverty, but then they speak of his purpose. Why in the world did Jesus come? John chapter number 18 and verse number 37, Pontius Pilate said this. He said, Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. So those swaddling clothes not only speak of his poverty, but those swaddling clothes speak of his purpose. Amen. Those swaddling clothes were the same clothes that they wrapped individuals in when they died. Those swaddling clothes speak to us about his birth. they also speak to us about his burial. They speak to us about a cradle, but they also speak to us about a cross. Those swaddling clothes not only speak of his poverty, but his purpose. I'm glad his purpose was this, to preach the truth. His purpose was this, to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. I'm glad he wasn't born just for a holiday. He wasn't born so we could just look and say, what a beautiful baby. What a momentous moment in history oh but he came to save the lost he came for you and I and he had a purpose when he did it we see his poverty we see his purpose but then we speak about his passion as we've already said those swaddling clothes wrapped up that baby little did they know that that baby would go to Calvary and that baby would die for you and me you know that was the greatest Christmas gift that was ever given Jesus Christ was born. We don't necessarily know the point in time when he was born, but thank God they wrapped that baby up and God gave that gift to this world and God knew that the the Bible says in Isaiah chapter number 53 that it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we're healed. Those garments speak of his poverty. They speak of his purpose, but thank God they 
speak of his passion. Amen. I'm glad he was born with a purpose. Uh, Jesus Christ in his birth uh, is one of the most significant moments in all of history. And so we see that those swaddling clothes tonight were garments of significance. But if you go to another place in your Bible tonight, John chapter number 13, we know this is a familiar setting, a familiar story. Jesus is eating with his disciples. In John chapter number 13, verse number 3 says this, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he riseth from supper and laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. We know this, uh, that Jesus came. Uh, He didn't come as a king, but thank God he's going to be a king. Amen. Uh, He didn't come as some high falutin member of society. He didn't come with gold and uh, silver jewelry. He didn't come uh, in the high echelon of society, Uh, but he came in his poverty and he came as being poor. Uh, But we know this in the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, He made himself a servant to others. Amen. That service, who Jesus rising from supper and going and girding himself in that towel speaks to us of three things. The first thing that it speaks to us about is it speaks to us of his humanity. Amen. He made himself, the Bible says, a little lower than the angels. He came and he was born and he was brought forth in the likeness of sinful men, in the likeness of sinful flesh. And he put on a robe of flesh and he walked in the human experience he lived as we lived thank God he felt what we felt thank God he's he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities and he put on humanity to come where we were the Bible said this that he laid aside his garments in John chapter number 13 can we illustrate it like this Jesus came into this world he laid aside his deity now we understand this that he was 100% God and he was 100% man but for all intensive purposes of his humanity he was able to lay his deity aside and walk in flesh and he not only laid his deity aside but he took that that towel that represented a servant and he girded himself he put it upon himself uh, taking the human experience upon himself and he took on our humanity amen that towel not only speaks of humanity but it speaks of humility the next thing Jesus did think about this for a moment the king of kings and lord of lords he lays off his garments he puts on a towel and he goes to the crowd that should have been washing his feet He goes to the crowd in every right. He could have sat there and laid his feet up on a footstool and said, wash my feet. And they would have done what he said and it would have been fine and it would have been okay. But Jesus surprises every man in that room when he takes that towel upon himself. He humbles himself. He bows down. He abased himself. And thank God he took on the role of a servant in humility. Amen came in humility he thought it not robbery to be equal with God he took upon himself the form of a servant we see his humility we see his humanity 
But then Jesus taking these garments of service, it speaks to us of hope. It speaks to us of hope. The Bible said this, After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. I thought about this the other day. You remember over on the news, uh, on Fox News and CNN News, if you watch that, uh, but when the, the tower, that, or excuse me, the statue of Saddam Hussein, when they toppled uh, his uh, dynasty or regime or whatever you want to call it, they toppled that statue. And I remember this vividly, that little kids would take their shoes and they would take their shoes off of their feet and they would rub the bottom of those shoes in the face of that statue almost like they were putting it to him. You say, why is that? Because the bottom of the foot in that part of the world is one of the most vile parts of the body if you show someone the part of the bottom of your foot they are offended you remember when the US Rangers went into Somalia and the Somalis people got angry because the Rangers were hanging their feet off the side of the helicopter and they were showing those people the bottom of their feet they were offended understand this in that in that part of culture it was just like that back then in the days of Jesus the feet were the lowest part of the body the only people that were to wash feet were servants, amen, and Jesus bows down, he girds himself with that towel, and what he does next blesses my soul he takes that water, and he washes all the off-scouring all the dust, all the filth off the bottom of their feet and the very thing that he has girded himself with, all that filth is being placed on that towel do you know what that speaks of tonight that speaks of Jesus Christ going to Calvary, and our sin being laid upon him our filth being laid upon him Calvary wasn't the first place that it happened when he knelt down before his disciples that was a picture of him taking our sins upon himself that gives us hope amen he humbled himself and he became a servant and he took our sin upon himself we see these garments of significance then we see these garments of service but then we think about the garments of sacrifice. Two places we can mention. Luke chapter number 23, the Bible says this, And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. Now we know this, that they robed Jesus, but what slips our mind so many times is that Jesus was not only robed once, but Jesus was robed twice. Jesus was not only robed by the Jews, but Jesus was also robed by the Gentiles. We know this, that, that, uh, that robe that, that Herod put upon Jesus, we know this, that it was a white robe. That word gorgeous can be translated several ways, uh, bright, white, uh, clean, it can be translated several different ways, but that gorgeous robe was a white robe. See, the fact is tonight is the Jews and their kings wore white robes. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter number 6, verses 28 and 29? He said, why take you thought for raiment? He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like 
like one of these. Uh, so Jesus is looking there, wherever he's at, uh, talking with the disciples, and he says, take no thought for raiment. He said, you see these white lilies? Uh, he said, you see these flowers? Uh, he said, I'm taking care of them, and I'm taking care of you, just like I took care of Solomon. Uh, and Solomon was arrayed in all his beauty and all of his splendor. The fact is, is that Solomon was robed in white. Uh, and when Herod desired a miracle of Jesus, uh, and he mocked him and made fun of him, uh, they set him in a white robe. Uh, then you go to John chapter number 19 and verse number 5. There's not only a gorgeous robe, but then there's a Gentile robe. The Bible says in John 19 and 5, Then came Jesus forth, wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto them, Behold the man. Now the Jews and their kings were white, uh, but the Gentile kings, that sign of prosperity and that sign of authority and that sign of majesty was the purple robe or the scarlet robe. And you say, preacher, what's the point of the Jews adorning him in a white robe and the Gentiles adorning, adorning him in a scarlet robe? Here's what they didn't know, amen. They did not know that he was really a king. They denied him and they mocked him, but thank God on the other side, God sees all things and he said, you just think you're rejecting him. You just think you're mocking him while you're crowning him king without even knowing it, amen. And thank God when Jesus came to this world, he came to the Jew and the Gentile and he died for the whole world, amen. Jesus was beaten and mocked while wearing these scarlet robes. And as the blood dried, they stripped him of his garments. You think about the blood that had coagulated I'm talking about the garments of sacrifice. Uh, they beat him and they mocked him and they persecuted him and he bled and he suffered and those garments were plaited to his body and they ripped those off of him. And then he went to Calvary. But here's what the Bible teaches us. That when they took that white robe off of him, and they placed that purple robe on him and they took that purple robe off, off of him, you know what they did to Jesus? They put, it, put his own clothes back on him. They put that last garment that you would wear under all of your clothes. Jesus being a Galilean peasant, he would wear this white linen robe. And they put that robe on him before he went to the cross. You say, preacher, what's so special about that? You understand this tonight, that when the high priest went in to minister on the behalf of the people before God, he had his priestly garments, but he had to change those garments, and he put on a white linen robe. It was a clean and white linen robe, and Jesus put that same linen robe on when he went to Calvary because he was about to do the work of our great high priest. Never again would they need a pigeon. Never again would they need a turtle dove. Never again would they need a bull or a ram or a bull never again would Israel or the world need a sacrifice because the Lamb of God he was going to Calvary to die for the sins of the world and it was the last sacrifice that God would ever need and it was enough tonight amen it was enough those were the garments of sacrifice then I thought about this tonight I thought about his garments of sovereignty John chapter number 20 and verse number 3, the Bible says this, we're on resurrection ground, familiar territory. The Bible says, Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. And so they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter 
and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying. Yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and seeth the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself, they went in also, they then went in also that other disciple which came first to the sepulcher and he saw and believed. Uh, these other garments that we're speaking of tonight, they're the garments of sovereignty. Uh, those were the grave clothes that they wrapped wrapped and bound our Lord Jesus in. And when they went back to look, uh, they had heard about what taken place. Uh, they had gone back uh, and they saw an empty tomb, amen. Uh, the stone had been rolled away uh, and inside that tomb were those linen clothes. Uh, uh, listen, I believe this with all my heart tonight. Uh, the stone wasn't rolled away so Jesus could get out, but the stone was rolled away so those disciples could look in and see that he got up just like he said he would. He didn't need the stone to be rolled away. He didn't need the linen to be gone. I'm telling you he's God and he got up just like he said. And I'm glad tonight, thank God, we've got a risen Savior and that is the hope of the believer. That is the hope of the world tonight that Jesus got up just like he said he would. Buddha's dead. He's in the grave. Mohammed's dead and he's in the grave. Joseph Smith, the the prophet of the Mormons, he's, he's dead and he's in the grave, but Jesus got up just like he said he would. He's at the right hand of the Father right now, pleading our case. He's our high priest and he ever liveth, making intercession for you and I. And he's sovereign tonight, amen. Jesus is God. You know what the resurrection was tonight? It was God's stamp of approval on everything that Jesus had done. Jesus came. He said, I must work the works of him that sent me. He came to where we were, lived uh, like we lived, robed in, sin, robed in the likeness of sinful flesh. Uh, and he died on the cross. Uh, and they buried him in a rich man's tomb. And he got up three days later just like he said he would. Amen. Jesus died and was buried and rose again for our justification. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter number 4. We see this tonight, not only these garments of sovereignty, but then I want to close with this. We think about the garments of salvation. Matthew chapter number 9 tells us this, a story about a woman who had an issue. She had a problem that, that couldn't be helped. In Matthew 9, verse number 20, the Bible says, And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment, for she said within herself, If I may touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned about him, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. We know what's taking place here. There's a great crowd around the Lord Jesus, and this woman has had this issue for a long time. And nobody's been able to help her. She's not been able to help herself. And by the way, that's exactly where we were without Jesus Christ. Lost and on our way to hell, we could not help ourselves. And here this poor woman is. She's got that issue. I'm talking about she's weak. She's sickly. There's nobody that can help her. But she comes to where Jesus is. And she touches the very hem of his garment. And instantly at that moment, the Bible tells us this. That she was made whole. And she was healed of her affliction. You know what this hymn speaks of tonight? The hymn of his garment. 
It speaks to us of faith. It speaks to us of faith. We understand that this lady had to have faith to get this healing. She had to have faith for the power of God to move on her behalf. Jesus had compassion upon her and he said, be, be, uh, thy faith hath made thee whole. She had to have faith. And the hem of this garment speaks of faith. But who was her faith in? Her faith was in the man wearing the garment. Amen. Her faith was in the man behind the garment. I don't know if you realize this tonight or not, but the garments that Jesus had, uh, he had fringes upon his uh, uh, garment. He had borders around his garment. The Jews wore this in their day. And literally in that uh, woven into that clothing was the precepts of the very word of God. Uh, You had the Bible in their clothes. And I I'm telling you what this woman did. Uh, She crawled to where Jesus was uh, and she reached out and she grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment. She grabbed a hold of where the word of God was. Uh, And in order to get to Jesus tonight, uh, uh, you'll not go through a preacher. You'll not go through the baptistry. You'll not go through a denomination, but you'll go through the word, amen. Uh, uh, You do what God says uh, and you respond to his call and respond to his voice uh, and reach out in faith. and touch him tonight, amen. It speaks to us of faith. But then it speaks to us of finality. That garment that he was wearing, it was a seamless garment. That garment he was wearing had no errors in it. It had no tears in it when it was started, when they started the process to make that garment from start to finish, that was a whole process. There was no ceasing. It was completed and it was done. And this lady reached out and she touched the hem of his garment. That's something special about the hem is this. The hem is the last part of a garment. Amen. It's the last part that's finished on a garment. Once a garment's woven, once it's done, once it's put together, the last thing that is done is that hem is stitched. It's saying that this garment's done. This garment is complete. Can I'm telling you tonight, We've got our faith set in a complete Bible. We've got our faith set on a complete Savior tonight, amen. And it not only speaks of faith, but it speaks of finality. The work's been accomplished. The work's done forever. You can't add to grace and you can't take away from it. And it's free and available for all that'll come to Jesus by faith tonight, amen. I thank God for his garments tonight, amen. I thank God for the testimony of grace and help that we find in the garments of our Savior tonight. You may be here tonight. You may be lost without God. You say, preacher, it's Wednesday night. Well, we'd be a fool to think that nobody in here would be lost. You say, what have I got to do to get saved? Just reach out by faith and touch Him tonight. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says, for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible tells us this, but God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible tells us this, that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you're here tonight, you've never been born again, reach out by faith to the Lord Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin, repent of your unbelief, and put all your faith and your trust in the grace 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's stand together tonight all over the Lord's house. Invitation's been given. Maybe you're here tonight and there's an issue in your life. You know, that lady had an issue. She couldn't help herself. Nobody could help her. But I'm glad tonight if you're saved, there's a God tonight that can help you. I'm glad we've got a Savior. You can reach out and touch Him again. And you can get the help you need tonight while they play, while they sing. If you need to come, you come tonight.